Welcome to the GTC podcast. So it's just booting the recording now. Boo, recording has started. Roger, mate, we're on. There we go. Right. Well, this is going to be a, a fucking weird one, isn't it? Um, <laughs> so, obviously, everyone that's just tuned in listening, um, welcome to the GTC podcast. Um, it's an absolute shit show. Um, and any regular listeners, all three of you, will be like, yeah, all right. So it's the same as every week then. But we have, uh, we've swapped a bit of our system. We've changed it over. Um and it's going to rely on the kindness of our guest uh, to actually make this one happen. But it will do. So this week we have Lloyd from uh, Gripper Jiu-Jitsu, the Yorkshire Gripper himself. And he's, uh, he's come on mainly just out of me pestering him for a while um, <laughs> to chat about everything Mexican ground karate. Um, I stole that from the B team and I, and I love it. Um, so... Lloyd, welcome, mate. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you in advance for uh, doing the the ITness that we previously discussed. It. Well, you could kind of blame me. It was me who was uh, insisted on teams. Um, so yeah, IT not bad here. Made us. Fu- so if this fucks up, everybody who's listening, sorry, it's my fault. Yeah, like uh, I'm not actually professional enough to know more than one method of how to do this. Um, and that one wasn't working so we've gone for this one um, and I'm sure it'll be all right but yeah appreciate you coming on mate appreciate uh, you moving the timeline up slightly as well helps me out a little bit so uh, yeah let's get rolling mate Um, first of all give us a little bit of a intro into yourself you know as much detail as little detail as you want to get started and then we can uh, once people know who you are we can start ripping the shit out of yeah um, so my name's Lloyd Cooper. Um, I suppose maybe more known in the jiu-jitsu world as the Yorkshire Gripper, not Ripper. Um, feet are my uh, penchant, not prostitute. So um, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm a BJJ black belt from Yorkshire. Um, I'm about 15 years deep now. So um, I, I think, like I say, I've probably carved a bit of a niche for myself the last four or five years of being like really well known for like being a leg locker, being dangerous on the legs, um, trained right through like, um, blue and purple belt living in Manchester. Then after I did university, moved back to Yorkshire. Um, and then I think a little bit of a, a, an area, I think I've done well in that. I've managed to do compete to a high level while maintaining a corporate day job and all that kind of stuff. Like most of my peers are all put it bluntly. Um, gym bums you know and it, scratching you know um scratching money about to go to competitions and stuff like that but spending eight hours a day on the mat now i've never had that it's very much you know training three or four days a week have a day job have a family run a gym as well you know what i mean it's a busy lifestyle um so and and to be fair i've had opportunities to go uh full time you know i could have like jumped out of the day job thing but kind of like got the buzz out of trying to maintain both if you know what i mean um and really pushed it. So been very fortunate. Won Europeans at Brown Belt, um, a huge competition. Won ADCC UK, uh, British Open. Um, so some decent level comps. And then probably proudest achievements. Um, multiple time winners on things like Grapple Fest and Polaris. So professional grappling show. So not bad for a fucking desk jockey. Not bad at all, mate. And obviously proudest achievement. Um, we just won't tell your partner and kids um but you know <laughs> jiu-jitsu is more important than them <laughs> <laughs> she's going to be outside the room right now ready to fucking murder me mate yeah here against the wall yeah sick mate i think um that's one of the things that did intrigue me because obviously we chatted like very sort of briefly um in parts and that's something that i did want to because i knew you were working like a real life adult job as well um and as you say mate that's that's very sort of few and far between lads that get to compete at the level that you've competed in and and even people that don't compete but run gyms a lot of them um that is their job that's their job that's their life they're on the mats they're teaching classes um they may compete they may not compete um and that was one of the things that i did want to sort of like find out about is like not so much detail about your home life but like 
it's a lot, isn't it? There's a lot. And I think it's a certain type of person to keep pushing, keep pushing. As you say, you get addicted to that busyness and that drive. Um, but what is it, do you reckon, that's motivated you to keep pushing to that limit and to, you know, essentially live free lives? You know, you're the family man. You're the, uh, the Yorkshire gripper, um, not ripper, if you're listening, old Bill. Um, and, you know, doing your corporate job as well. What do you reckon it is? I've tried to like get my head around this, um, you know, like talking like mental coach and stuff over the years. And I, and, I, and I realized even like a good example of this was when I won the Europeans, it's something I fucking dreamed about for years. I was like, yeah, you know, in my mind, it was kind of like, you're legit then, you know what I mean? If you win Europeans, you're legit. So I dreamed about it and I got there and I remember being on the podium. And what I expected before the moment was like, this is going to feel fucking like I've won the lottery. And I got on the podium and it just felt so empty, so shit and flat. And I was like, wow, okay. And I, and like, and as soon as I'd got off the podium, it gets passed. And I enjoyed more having a steak with the missus that night. And I had a, like a bit of a problem, like being gratified in the moment, if you know what I mean? Like, like almost patting myself on the back, like, well done, you've achieved that goal. It was very much, as soon as I came off that, it was like, okay, what's next? Right, I need to focus on Nogi, try and get on Polaris sort of thing. You know, that's where my focus shifted to. So, is that, it's not, I don't think it's a a major problem. You know, I could be on heroin. That's a major problem. But, like, <laughs> I, I've always had, I've always had problems, like, enjoying success and, and victories and stuff like that. So, and it's just like this, my mindset has always been like, recycle, what's the next goal and keep moving forward. And I realised because, I'm addicted to that transformative process from where I am today, and I'm trying to hit that that target in the future. Um, and the times when I've like either been injured or you know took some dedicated time off, like I said, right, I'm gonna you know either retire or I'm gonna take six months off competing. Or like Christmas time's a great one for me. After the first few days of rest, I'm fucking itching. I'm like, yeah, you know, yeah because you, you need the walls to get back into it. Yeah, you you need something. To, to do and, and, I, and I don't I think I've just I guess I'm just addicted to that feeling of motion and um, and you know kind of like a, a smack head getting a fix on different drugs but it's kind of like I, I, you know I've worked really hard in my day job um, I started out like as an engineer and I've gone up like senior operations route to point now I'm running a factor 20 million dollar a year factory um and I was just pushing the envelope all the time on taking more responsibility, more variables to consider, to control, doing that in jiu-jitsu as well, you know what I mean, really pushing for big big matches, even though I wasn't, like, in a great um, space for them. And now, like, uh, with the gym, the last couple of months, I'm really trying to, because I'm focusing more on the gym rather than my own uh, compete, I'm really trying to, like, expand that. Um, and then with Livy and the kids, you know, three kids in just under three and a quarter years, you know what I mean? We don't do anything by half. So. Them out. <laughs> Blame COVID, mate. That's what that was, COVID. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. It's... Like snuggles. <laughs> take, away and, take away Netflix, mate. Um, <laughs> but I, I just think that I, me personally, I've, I've structured a life where I get a lot of fulfillment out of just running down um, tasks and targets, you know what I mean? And, and I realise I don't think I'm going to ever get over that. I don't think I'm going to ever be comfortable just, yeah, great, you know, I'm happy, I'm going to sit in, have a... And uh, there's a funny thing, actually, I always say to the guys in the gym, you know, like, obviously everyone gets pressure about being out in the gym and because and, if you're going to achieve anything to any level in a sport or a career, you're going to have to make sacrifices to your overall life. But the one thing I always say to the guys is, you're not going to remember when you're on your deathbed, the fucking Chinese that you stayed in and had with your missus on the Thursday night. You are going to remember submitting a guy on Polaris in front of all your family and friends in that fucking beautiful moment. Now, don't get me wrong, there's a, there's a balance there, but you've got, and you've got to sacrifice things to get things done. And like I said, I really do try my best to maintain that work-life balance, but I am truly addicted to improving and doing things. And like I said, whether that's with the missus and the kids and, rebuilding the house um and so yeah basically i think i'm a junkie yeah yeah i mean you could have gone with the uh, analogy of you know the shark in the water if it doesn't keep moving it drowns um but then again you are from yorkshire so you went for the smackhead route it makes perfect <laughs> sense if you were from like you know 
Lincolnshire or something, you probably would have done something a bit smarter. Um, <laughs> but yeah, mate, no, like I, I fully agree. Like, and I, I think that's one of the reasons why we got you on, and um, it's that mindset that's shared by a lot of people. Um, a lot of people like that are drawn to the military or services, but that's not necessarily. And that's one of the things that does grip me about um, people in the services is they automatically think that everyone that wasn't in the services never has that similar mindset. They can't do because they've never served. And it's like, well, that's just total bollocks. There's millions and millions of people out there that have a similar mindset of push, 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 you know, be the best version of yourself um, and keep keep yourself growing all the way through life. And I think that's that's a really good mentality to have. And um to be able to keep pushing and, and never, you know, proud, but never satisfied to coin a, a phrase by a famous YouTuber. You know, it's like you, you are proud of what you've done. You're happy to achieve it and you try and get that balance. But there's always that thing in the back of your mind, isn't there? That's like, all right, that was great. Proud of myself. Happy with it. What's next though? What's next? Mm. Uh, you know, it's funny you, you mentioned that. That's like, let's say a big life regret of mine is that that's not an avenue I fulfilled was, was the military stuff. You know what I mean? I, I feel like I've got a lot of affinity with that mindset, you know, that a lot of people in, in the forces have, and a lot of family members do the forces. Um, I almost joined the Remy when I was um, 18, probably saved myself a, <laughs> saved myself a nightmare <laughs> there, but um, you know what? Now I'm co- like, now I'm coming to the end of like my jujitsu career. I, I realize that's a bit of a regret because it, and what I realize is that with, with like jujitsu in the gym, I've created an environment where we pursue like that elite mindset, always getting better. Yeah. Now, the regret I've got is that I didn't join an environment that encourages that. You know what I mean? So um, that's where, you know, at 35, I was like, mm, maybe my life could have gone a different way with that. But um, yeah, I suppose it's I got on the wagon of uni and then it was very quickly instead of going to lectures, I was training MMA full time. And then 15 years later, I popped up <laughs> at the end of that journey. So, but yeah, I think it's funny you do mention that because I do really try to align the gym's core values and principles with some things I see in, like I said, military units about um, constantly pursuing excellence and getting better. Um, and, you know, it's that Kaizen philosophy. There's always more you can do, always always something you can improve by 1%. And I think that's probably a mindset that's benefited me for jiu-jitsu. Um, you know, some people have asked me, like, how do you how do you manage to compete at that level? But it's all those little victories, you know what I mean, is, um, you know, a little bit of supplementary cardio, a little bit of supplementary strength strength work, don't eat like a complete fucking retard, um, you know what I mean? And, and trying to steal those little victories everywhere I ca- can, because... You know, those three or four one percents when you're in the shit, sometimes are going to bail you out. You know what I mean? And I've been there in matches yeah. when I'm blowing out my arse. But the fact that I've destroyed myself on a rowing machine for 12 weeks before a big match, even, you know, and for me, that looks more like getting up at 4.45 a.m. to get to the gym because I've got a day job that starts at 7.30. Yeah, you know I mean, not most people don't want to get on a rowing machine and do 10K at 5 a.m. in the morning. But if exactly. you've got that, if you've got that desire to do something, I suppose you, you have to do that. And like I say, so uh, that's definitely a life regret I've got that I didn't join uh, at least the military, maybe not the Rima. <laughs> Sorry if there's anybody listening for the Rima, but hey-ho. I oh, mate, I, I think you dodged a bullet. Uh, you know, you said you regretted not joining. I regretted joining, so we're all good. No, I'm only joking. Yeah, mate, it's one of those. Um I think you, you pick the choices you pick in life and when you get to the end of it, you you've, you you have what you have. Um, I think one of the big things is, is at the time uh, when that decision passed you by, it was the right decision for you in that moment not to join and it's put you in the position where you are now. So it was the correct decision. Um, that's the way it's I, funny I you say that. all those sort um, of regrets. One of my, my mentors, Sam Laird, former 4-5 commando, um, Marines, he said the exactly the same thing. You made a decision at the time, and that was the exact right decision for you. So, yeah, yeah, mate, it's one of those things. And I think if you can breed that sort of attitude with your life experience, with that same still mindset uh, into the gym, which you do, it's cracking. And as you say about the, it's the one percent to make the difference. You know, I'm a, a lowly, lowly white belt 
um and like i can depending on what gym i walk into because i do travel a lot um i can hold my own even with some purple belts there's depending on the size of them there's some brown belts and even a, a black belt that might struggle a bit more than they think they should with me um and that's not down to technique i guarantee that it's down to the fact that I've got no ligaments left in my ankles, so no oh, one can heel hook me, which helps. Um, but it's mainly down to uh, CV and strength. You know, what I can't, what I lack in um, my growing technique, I make up for in having the strength. And that was something that I wanted to chat to you about. But it's sort of, um, it's an interesting one because you've seen them. Um, you'll know the blokes I'm talking about, you know, they're the guys that take free rest rounds uh, in between when you're sparring and rolling at the end of a session. Um, You know, whenever you look up from a roll, they're the ones with the hands on the knees and they're leaning against the wall. Um, No, no, I'm I'm, I'm sitting this one out, mate. Those guys, there's a place for everyone. I'm not being elitist. I'm not saying you shouldn't be doing it. Crack on, mate. Do what you want. Um, no one knows their own bodies in terms of injuries and what they're dealing with. So I'm not judging anyone, but there's always those people that jujitsu is what they do. They turn up, they train once, twice, three times a week, bang, go home. Not a problem. That's not, and that isn't a bad thing. Crack on. Um, but I've always benefited greatly from being able to roll, roll, roll. I drill like I'm rolling. Um, and I push 100% every time. The only thing I don't do, which is worth noting, which I do see in the gym, which does piss me off, is bigger lads or stronger or fitter lads using that in advantage when they are rolling to therefore not be able to learn or to shut their partner down. Yeah. You know, yeah. like a big lad just sitting on people and it's like, yep, yeah, sweet, I'm going to get this Kimura and muscle it in. Or, and I'm like, well, no one's learned there, mate. You've just learned mm-hmm. you can lay on a bloke. And the bloke underneath you just learned you're stronger than him. So no matter what defense he has, if he flattens you and grabs hold of your arm, it, so yeah, that's the only time. Definitely that I a think factor. Strength and fitness doesn't help. I think yeah. you, you touched upon a good point there, though. Like if if against people in a let's say who are super, in, superior in a technical sense strength and cardiovascular endurance are a major factor to play um and it's the whole package isn't it you know what i mean you in that engagement it's not just on technical superiority it's those other other aspects and one one thing i always preach and every i'll wheel it out every now and again this little speech that i do to my guys but one thing that really gets my fucking back up I, not back but like i say you know when you've done your round changeover right quick drink guys back on the mat you've got one minute one minute thirty something like that there's always a couple of guys that'll stroll on 30 seconds into the round. And I'm like, right, okay. You'd, you've just missed 30 seconds. And if you do that every single round for the night, let's say you do five rounds, two and a half minutes you've just lost. And you train twice a week, you've just lost five minutes a week. You know what I mean? Five, say your time, you train 50, time, uh, 50 weeks per year. Great, 250 rounds you've just lost. A year Fucking by being lazy. engineering brain's coming out now. <laughs> no, but it's just, but it's it, you know the the com- the compound effect of your yeah. slight bit of laziness over that period. Fuck, man. You know if you ask somebody, you're gonna be better in 250 rounds or not? It's, it, you know what I'm saying? That I might have got the maths wrong. So if anybody's math, yeah. maths checking me, uh, sorry, it's early doors, mate. But, yeah, don't worry about see, that. But you see the point, and I always say to the guys, it's in yeah. these little little moments, right? A small difficult decision. Um, done regularly compounds over time to be so much better. You know what I mean? And like, so I'm never late to the start of a round and just little things like that. And I make sure every when I'm in the gym again, because my time there is finite. I might only get an hour and a half out of the uh, the house. So I've got to support the missus with the kids. I'm fucking going for it. You know what I mean? Pick the tough round. And even like said, you said big big dudes fucking gets my back up. The biggest guy in the room picks the littlest guy in the room and then plays on top. I'm like, mate, yeah. fuck. Play guard, develop your guard while you're doing it. You know what I mean. So, mm-hmm. and it, like I said, that's it's what I do. Yeah, small, um, small, difficult decisions. Yeah, and it's like all the elite mindsets from athletes to um, high level uh, business, high level engineering, high level uh, science, high level special forces every single one will live by the same mantra it's the basics done well and as you say it's those little hard bits done 
the boring bits over and over again the hard bits the boring bits over and over again consistently and you will improve and you'll grow um yeah i think it's a good one and uh you know we're all we're all guilty of it every now and again taking the extra breather it happens um but a little tip for the listeners if you're if you jog off the mat quick sit jog back sit down um you get more rest sitting down because everyone else thinks you've got loads of energy so they uh they wait and uh they, yeah. they, they don't jump <laughs> in with you so there you go i'm eager i'm ready to go but also if you don't want to roll with me um yeah but it's a good one as well is make eye contact with everyone in the gym when you're waiting for a roll because you'll instantly find out who is wary of you and who's trying to mm. skip training with you so that then you can go right i'm going to roll with them to learn what they don't and then they get used to rolling with you and they know you're not going to choke them out it's it's good fun anyway that's a good point that yeah yeah it's it's a good one and i always i'm careful because i go to a lot of new gyms um because i travel a lot so it's like i'm always at somewhere new um so like i never want to step on people's toes there's nothing worse than seeing a bloke that's uh you know maybe a senior white belt into a blue belt and they know a bit they sort of know what they're doing rock up at a gym and try and smash everyone like all the white belts and you're like come on mate like that's when the gym enforcer steps up and puts you away and you just look like a dick and you never get never coming back um and i always play it quite carefully and never call out the black belt straight away or the brown belts like just be be careful be humble um and learn what you can from it so you said you trained um mma and stuff for a long time um and obviously by the sound of you started your career in gi um when did you sort of decide to make the transition into no gi and really dedicate your life into that type of sport because it did seem like um yourself and gripper jiu-jitsu are quite at the forefront of it in the uk um no gi is still not huge in the uk gi still dominates whereas where i am now in new zealand uh traveling australia and in america it seems like no gi is almost at that point of overtaking now yeah good good question um so i started out literally doing mma so i think i started training in 2008 um and i was training mma right the way through till 2011 i had three three fights won all three of them uh, fortunately um and then i realized after my like, third fight i think i won by tko um it's quite a funny story actually it was like a bit of a rough kid from Mossad in manchester um so anyway, i took him down um and i got like a nelson on the back of his neck and I'm just pushing the fuck out of him and then punched him so hard his eyes rolled into the back of his head, TKO. Um, and like in the changing rooms afterwards, I went up to him. I said, oh, thank you. For, thank you for the fight. He was like, fuck you, what, bruv? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, all right. Like that, so I left it. But then after that match, um, so what it was at the time, I was living in Manchester, but I was traveling to Next Gen Liverpool um, most days on the train or going with Rose Sexton. Um one of the first female UFC fighter. Um, and after that match, I realized it was like, oh shit, nine months have gone by and I've not been to Liverpool to train. And I just realized and I'm just in the, in the thick of things doing um, gi. Um, and back then, like I say, it was very much gi. We barely, we, I think we did one no gi a week. Um, and, I, and I do love the gi even to now, um, I suppose to a certain extent. But the transition for me came, like I said, and I ticked off one of the major goals was the Europeans uh, in the Gi. Um, and I realised most of the super fight matches were in, in no Gi. And, I, and I, if I thought to myself, it was definitely a calculated decision. It was like, if I want to do well at that, I need to hyper-focus my game on just no Gi. Because I've only got, you know, five sessions a week, let's say. Um so I binned off the gi after that. Um, oh, no, tell a lie. No, I didn't. I had one more match in the gi, which was AJ Agazam at Polaris. Now, this is the frustrating thing with that match was, so I won the Europeans. No, I did a match with Fred the month after that. And then it was like I'd done four or five months of just no gi. And six weeks before, uh, AJ changed it from no gi to gi. Um, anyway, it, it, again, he's only competitor. Probably would have beat me anyway. Uh, but I was rusty as fuck. But... The, the decision for me was like, if I want to be good at this one thing with the time that I have to give, uh, I need to just focus on that. Um, and I definitely see m- more and more in the last couple of years that 
the focus is shifting to Nogi. If you look at any, like, mm-hmm. let's say, sub-only event, you know, there might be one or two token gi matches, but it's been mainly Nogi. Um, but the one that really sold it for me, um, I followed, used to follow this page, and it was, like, statistical analysis of, like, world championships or whatever. Um, and it was like the average number of points scored in adult black belt matches was uh, 1.8, which is either zero or two. And then I'm thinking a 10 minute match. So the average thing is one sweep or none. And a sweep yeah. might take what, 10, 20 seconds? So 10 or 20 seconds action in a 10 minute match or like that. It's just bullshit. And like when like lapel game became really prevalent. And I'm just like, fucking hell, this is, the, you know, this is not the bit I enjoy. The bit I enjoy is the the fight, the scrap, you know what I mean? You're in the, you're in the, uh, the scramble. Yeah. Um, and so, like, lapel wasn't conducive to that en- enjoyment. So it was kind of a couple of decisions, but um, I just hyper-focused from about 2017 and then until now. Um, now, honestly, I put the gear on probably two times a year, something like that. And I will get back into it. But I still feel I've got, like I've got personal and let's say technical development to do in like leg game and no gi game uh, in no just for no gi's sake. So I'm still trying to innovate techniques weekly and stuff like that. And so until I feel like I've exhausted some of that for myself, I'm not really going to get too much back into gi yet. Yeah, I think it's an interesting one. Like um, one of the reasons that sort of attracts me to it. Um, other than the leg game part of it, which is more prevalent in no gi than gi, but we'll discuss that in a minute. Other than that part, it is far more transferable um, in terms of to real life, you know. And I also think I enjoy wrestling, um, the very basic bits of wrestling that I know I can do. Um, so because I enjoy that, it sort of it all makes sense to me to to sort of start staying more no gi. Um, but I'm like yourself, like uh, just about you know 18 years behind in terms of uh, technique um in the sense of i do i do still enjoy gi um i like gi i like how technical it is but the most thing i enjoy about jujitsu is the the combative it, safe combat if you like you know the likelihood you're going to get injured is a lot lower than if you were doing muay thai or or wrestling or anything a bit more impact based taekwondo something like that you know getting kicked in the head all the time you're going to feel it um and then you know all the other benefits that come with it anyway but yeah it's um it's an interesting one i've i've enjoyed seeing over the past sort of few years of training the the transition in in the professional world and it's getting big you know with characters like gordon ryan and um Nicky Rod and things like that you know they are polarizing characters um good or bad sometimes um but they make I just it more feel, entertaining yeah I just feel that like if we have any hope of transcending let's say mainstream for jiu-jitsu to grow it's going to come off the back of nogi rather than gi mm-hmm. yeah. like you know even me I'm banging into jiu-jitsu but like every every year when I try and watch the gi worlds every year I try and get to the black belt finals at like two o'clock in the morning and I fucking fall asleep because, like, like I said, most of the matches not that not a great deal happening. But you put like ADCC on or a Polaris, and it's entertaining. Everything there's a lot more action, mm-hmm. and, it, and it keeps keeps people engaged. So I think if like I say if, if we're going to get just regular Joes watching it, um, it's going to have to be no gi. So much more happens. Yeah, yeah, and I think as well, I think mixed cards is the way to grow no gi on a professional um sort of level it you know like one championship what they're doing where they they might have like on a on a card they'll have a k1 kickboxing match they might have a muay thai rules couple of mma and a couple of um submission only jiu-jitsu or like points digit you know um usually the eddie bravo sort of rules the ebis and it's i think that works as really good format because casuals they might not be fully into jiu-jitsu and they might be from the uh, the mindset of you know just stand up type guys but they can then have a little bit of it have a bit of it and go actually that is quite entertaining when they do that that is quite clever they start learning a bit more and then you can put on more and more sort of only jiu-jitsu shows because there's more people watching it um, yeah so yeah it's an interesting one and i think you know it's it's fun being in 
jiu-jitsu at the moment because it's it is just exploding you know everywhere you go gyms are opening um has its negatives as well because some are not going to be as good as others and things like that but um it is fun it is fun um so you spoke about uh you know one of your specialist sort of things or one of your um go-to games is leg locks um and leg game so there's a couple of things i want to chat about this one is in a real life combat situation it's a, it's a big talking point you've probably discussed it and heard about it before so if you get attacked on the street and you're sort of obviously just trying to calm it down get out of the way um would you go for a leg lock to try and stop something happening in a street fight or would you um, avoid that no like it, it, my go-to I've thought about this. I've only ever used jiu-jitsu on the street twice, and it was very early doors in my jiu-jitsu career, let's say. Um, if I'm standing and it's an untrained guy, probably not. I'm, I'm wrestling. I do a lot of wrestling, you know what I mean? I'm just going to um, deal with it that way now. Um, if I end up on the floor, multiple guys, yeah, then that's where I'm, I'm trying to, like, I'll probably, rather than getting up straight away, he's throw a, a heel hook in there and do some kind of like devastating damage to one or two of the guys first um but yeah definitely it's, it's more the traditional stuff like the the two two fights i've had on the street i did jiu-jitsu first time was two guys um one like held me and was trying to punch me and then the, the second guy fucking elbowed me from the side put me on the deck um and then they both boot my head and so i was, I was covering my head with one and then the guy who was directly on top of me trying to punch me out, I managed to trap an arm and do like a pendulum sweep, swept him on top and fucking punched him out, and he, um, which was which was good. Um, and then I got back to the feet and started just going toe-to-toe with the second guy. The um, And then the other time was actually fucking, uh, when I was at uni, um, like the, the university rugby captain, Billy Big Balls, fucking walking down the street <laughs> with a couple of, um, couple of chicks. Um and he was giving it big licks. Ah, fucking hell, he's here. Look, Lloyd doing his fucking funny jiu-jitsu stuff like that. And I was like, look, fuck off, mate. Um, so he pushed me. Um, so then oh, I, I went, right, let's fucking come on then. And as he went to push me again, um, I, I did a snap down um, like a, from a collar tie. Got my left arm in uh, an underhook and spun him all the way over. He went fucking like, it was that, obviously because he was pissed, but he spun me there. I landed my knee on his face and then caught a fucking Kimura and smashed the Kimura up his back, popped his shoulder. Um, <laughs> and I got, and it was fucking brilliant because he was, he was in, like him and his two mates and then these like, three chicks and it was outside a bar and the fucking, it was a big dude, um, like, you know, well popular, well known guy at Uri because he was a rugby captain and the fucking squeal. Because ah! <laughs> I fucking Kimura the fuck out of him. So, um, and I think, like I said, the only, the only premise with leg locks in a street fight would be if I'm trying to like, I'm on my back against multiple guys, I'm trying to stay tight, but and one of them gets close, I'll just try and fucking break a fucking knee just to take take the guy out of the fight. Because in jiu-jitsu terms, that's probably one of the quickest ways you can incapacitate somebody. Um, you know, if you rip on a heel hook aggressively, you can pop it pretty quickly as opposed to trying to get to somebody's back and then you've got to sink the choke in, wait seven to ten seconds while his body's kicking you in the face. Whereas mm-hmm. I can be, you know, an outside hill hook or something like that or kicking his kneecap out, I can be pretty fucking quick with that. So I would do it in that scenario, but personal preferences, wrestle, get on top, guillotine him or something like that. Yeah, no, I think it's, um, it's going to lead into our next question, but it's an interesting one because you know you know the amount of control like when you've got hold of well being a black belt in your own gym pretty much anyone else on the mat um but even like a uh, a semi someone that's been training jiu-jitsu for a couple of years if they get hold of someone that it's their first couple of weeks couple of months the amount of control you have over their body no matter what they think they're doing or being able to do um and obviously just that that the more you do jujitsu, the higher you are like yourself, the the bigger that pool of people is that you, you feel like you're in complete control. Um, but I think it's important to remember that not every technique you learn will be great in a real life situation, if you like. Um, but that's the exact same as any other martial art. You know, if you're just a wrestler, that's not going to be the best all of the time you know if you just grab someone flip them over get them on into all fours and hang on to their back and you're like yeah well i've i've won the fight now haven't i 
well, no, because his mate's just going <laughs> to soccer kick you in the face. <laughs> no, like, exactly. Or, or that bloke's going to go, why am I down on the floor? I'm just going to get back up or I'm going to try and obviously a wrestler will keep him down. But it's just like, you're going to have to keep going until he's tired and just keep putting him down on his back before. And it's just like, okay, but it's the same with a boxer, you know, you do a nice meaty, like, uh, what's his name? Is it Liam Harrison, the Muay Thai fighter? Oh, um, mate, yeah, what a fucking with his weapon. Legs yeah, boxer's going to die. Combos. You can't take that. It, nah. Nah, but if you're up against someone that doesn't know what they're doing, boxer, bang, jab it, jab, literally on the chin, in the nose. They're not doing much. All they need to do is stand there, put their hands up, wait for you to swing, and you're going to sleep. Um, so I think it's important to, like, keep it in perspective because um, people do sometimes refer to jiu-jitsu as being the ultimate martial art, and that is the next question for you. Is it? And if not, what is the ultimate martial art? Is there one? Uh, you know what? It's an interesting question. I don't look at jiu-jitsu as a martial art. I look at it as a sport. Okay, interesting. And, nice. the, and the differential for me, right, is karate is a martial art because you don't see it in the same competitive light. So let's look at karate versus boxing, okay? You know, there's an argument for the both physical forms intended to, to, you know, to do striking damage to somebody. But you see boxing clearly as a sport. Okay. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, there's, uh, but then you look at karate and there's not the same level of respect because, and I think there's, there's less emphasis on the competitive aspect. Um, now, I think jiu-jitsu has transcended a martial art and become a sport is very much like, you know, it's competing for points. It's trying to do damage. Um, so I, I look at it as a sport, first and foremost. Um, you know, I think because we train so much of the percentage of time on fully resisting opponents, that's the different differentiator for me, as opposed to if it was karate, you'd do 80% kata and then maybe 20% spar and something like that. And that's the clear, clear yep. line difference. So I, I think it's a sport. Now, therefore... If you know the the question, what's the ultimate martial art or something? I think it's the ones that would that have transcended martial arts into sport. So your wrestling, your boxing, your Muay Thai, and Jiu Jitsu. Now, in all honesty, if I had to pick one for just like in the street, it'd be Greco Greco Roman. Not like freestyle, and I'd I'd mainly do freestyle wrestling, like shooting on singles and doubles. Um, but it's just that clinch range, having the ability to just fucking dominate somebody's torso. Greco-Roman wrestling is the absolute best for me. Um, you know, head position, body locks, um, like lat drops, uh, double overs, all that kind of stuff is perfect because I guess the average Joe probably can't punch. As long as you can block on the way in, he's fucked. You know what I mean? He's going to throw a big dirty A, mate, as long as I can um, cat- uh, uh, parry that and then once you've got them hands together with your Greco guy, fucking my God, you know what I mean? Um, there's, there's like guys in our gym who are better at clinch work rather than shoots. If they get the hands on you and lock up, get ready, get ready. It's um, It just feels like it's like something I work a lot of, like Greco sweeps from like butterfly. If I can get my arms around you, then I'll, then I'll like lift you up and then suck your hips in and then headbutt you in the, in the torso. But it just, you know, it'll take all the wind out your out your sails. So for me, it'd be Greco, man. It's just fucking. You look at um, any of the like um, wrestling pages when it's world championships, but look at the physicality of a guy who's like who does Greco. Like when you see the guy flat out because he don't want to get pinned, and he's got a body lock on him, and he fucking can pick him up off the floor and then do a spin midair and put him back down. These, that is the fucking ultimate for me. Jiu Jitsu is great, but like, there's a lot of encouragement for like not passivity but like jiu-jitsu is very much take it steady and then when the when the go time's here then you put your energy and effort in whereas wrestling or greco at least is fucking balls to the wall for the entire period yeah yeah i i have a great sort of fascination with wrestling um i've got a mate of mine who's uh like really into his judo um really good as well um and it's it's really interesting sort of discussing the two and he, he has a similar mindset. He enjoys judo for the sport of it and he does really well with it. So it sort of makes sense. But um, it always makes me think when I'm chatting to him about judo um, that, you know, wrestling 
whichever sort of form you do it in you know like if you're a, a Dagestani and you've wrestled all your life in that particular style um and then it's like right go learn some boxing as well mate sweet you know a UFC champ you're like exactly yeah it's that yeah. good yeah it is and it I think people do underestimate it. Uh, people that don't underestimate the power of wrestling are Americans. Um, obviously, because they've got it all the way through high school, college, um, and their national team, just like the Russians, are disgusting. Um, and I think it's half of it is their animals, um, absolute animals. But also, it's the ability to control your body and someone else's body, even though you're evenly matched. I think it's incredible. It really is. Um, and also something that attracts me about the wrestling side of jiu-jitsu or wrestling in general is the emphasis they put on the athleticism behind being a wrestler compared mm. to the emphasis that jiu-jitsu puts on being an athlete first. It, it's because it, it's a factor. It, it definitely is a factor. And, you know, in jiu-jitsu, people don't like to admit it. You know, and they're like, oh, fucking just a meathead and stuff like that. But it is certainly a factor. Like, we used to have a saying, being 10 kilos or more bigger than somebody is like a belt level. If you're two blue belts, mm. but I'm 10 kilos bigger than you, that's like being a purple belt. It, because it's, it's it's definitely a factor. And, and this is what, when I come back to the point about, like, 1%, just if I'm that better condi- bit better condition than you or I'm, I'm much more physical, you're going to have a harder time than me if we're equally matched, so, um, but yeah, and like I say, Jiu-Jitsu is an encouragement of, you know, the, uh, what's the word, art, suave, gentle art, and stuff like that, you know, be, be gentle all until it's time to go, whereas the mentality in wrestling is completely different, it's crush. Yeah, yeah, smash, but smash, I, smash. I enjoy it, I do, you know, like, I'm very well known for pulling guard from a tactical perspective, because I play leg locks, mm-hmm. So most of my sub only matches, I sit guard and everyone, you know, people, oh, you fucking pussy and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, f- for me to enter my game, it makes no tactical sense for me to do that. Um, but we have a dedicated wrestling class um, on the weekend. And like so most of our advanced no-gi classes, we start from the feet anyway. Because um, mm-hmm. we see the merit in it, you know what I mean? It's not like we are just a traditional jiu-jitsu school where it's like, yeah, we just, we get the gi, we pull guard and that's it. I place a lot of emphasis on like wrestling, top control, and and yeah, you know, we do simple rounds like um, you're on top or you're in top turtle. The guy on bottom's job is just to get the fuck up and out, and you've got to hold them down because mm. it's it's a, it's a practical skill to have. It's just being able to just keep somebody on the mat and keep them gr- at grappling range. Yeah, I do like that specific sparring. I don't think many gyms do it um, that often. I think it's difficult when you're running a gym and you're trying to cut. I think you've got to breed it. Uh, breed that culture um like it sounds like you have done at, at um gripper um and i know there's a lot of you know serving former services that go there because that has got that attitude um or have passed through and things and it's it is that attitude of like that specific sparring um it is so beneficial because it's you know you're working as hard as you are sparring normally but you're improving a skill um and you really do that's when you learn it and I, I think a lot of gyms don't do it for the simple fact of it's not as fun you know it, mm. it's like playing football as a kid or rugby as a kid you know you go to training so that you can play on the weekend you very rarely enjoy the training sometimes it's good sometimes it's shit but you go and do it so you can play at the weekend um and a lot of people that's how they see jiu-jitsu you know they're paying to be there or any sort of sport club type thing you're paying to be there you want to enjoy it and if you're trying to run a business you're trying to be a good coach you're trying to encourage people into the sport you've got to give them rounds um because that's the part that people really really enjoy but so we do we we do that every single class yeah i think it's a good um, way of doing it we so we the way we structure it is we do a 15 minute round winner stays on Okay, so it'll be, and whatever it'll be, whatever the, yeah, it'll be whatever the, the technique is. It might be like a guard position or a pass, or we're going to be on back or turtle, whatever it is, right? But it's attack versus defense now. And you know what? Even uh, when you're in and out, it's very intense, fifteen minutes. So, but for me, it's the hyper specialized area. You know, how many times in an actual role do you get an opportunity to pass guard? Maybe once or twice. Mm-hmm. 
you know, you're going to go, you're going to go, you're going to go. And it, not only that, but it's at a very intense um, pace because you've got fresh guys coming in. So, you, you know, and you, you're getting put into a difficult position. Um, and like I say, on the, on the Gripper website, I put some of the core values. One of the core values of the gym, or I've decided, is competency, right? And I think I've definitely lost loads of prospective students over the years because I don't um, erode the standard I expect people to perform at. You know I mean, I could make it nicey, nicey, right? You don't roll for the first eight weeks and then we're just going to, you know, you, you're going to take it very steady, 20, 30%. Um, I make it difficult because I, my job is not just to make show you some moves and hopefully become a better grappler. I, I see my job as head coach as developing you as an overall person. And that includes just not just showing you moves, but developing an element of resilience and robustness so i want people to and so like i said competency i want people who join gripper jiu-jitsu to become properly competent and strong grapplers i like that because that also you know for me doing jiu-jitsu a lot of it is about the mental benefits i get from it um and the helping me through things you know much like the real guys created it for um and much of jujitsu is that for me it's my therapy so having a gym that's teaching those sort of skills through their own methods which is you know is resilience is coping it's um digging in it's you know working on those one percent it's uh you know being competent is challenging you to get better and improve yourself is brilliant to hear i think it's difficult obviously i don't know how they work it uh, at Gripper and I've got no doubt you do it the right way but it is difficult especially if you get brand new people um, when it comes to the roles it's their first second session um, or even they've been doing it a few weeks you've got to make sure you've read that right um, uh, like right ethos and right character within the gym because you know if you've got some blokes that are just smashing them you know just smashing them 100% like tap 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 yeah that kid's not coming back so the but don't get me wrong, I do say to my advanced grades, like, don't, you know, don't take the fucking piss. People are brand new. Um, but but on the same token, I do say to the new guys coming in, this is going to be very hard. You're going to be tired. You're going to get beaten yeah. up and it's going to be for months on end. But at the end of that crucible, you're going to be cut, you're going to be a much better person for it. And then, in you know, and that's when the addiction comes after six months when you're doing that to other people. I think that's it. Yeah, it's, it's getting that balance right of, being humbled, knowing that you've got a lot to learn, but not restricting your barrier to it, if that makes sense. But anyway, especially for the non-JITS people around, they're probably getting very bored of uh, my <laughs> gop in Essex accent and your Yorkshire one. So I've got one um, final sort of question for you, mate, and then we'll, we'll call it. So that one is something that I've been asking a lot of people and chatting to a lot of people about, and that is uh, jujitsu for law enforcement. So for police, what's your, I, I've been trying to tell as many people as possible. If you're a police officer or work in law enforcement, even if it's prison and you don't do either jujitsu or some sort of wrestling, you're doing yourself a disservice. What do you, what do you reckon? Uh, perfect example. right? 6am class this morning. There's two cops at it. Um, and both of them have got first-hand experience of grappling on the job, and both mm -hmm. of them realised, you know, several years ago, they were like, fucking hell, I didn't really know what was happening there, it, you know, could have gone either way, ended up on bottom, um, and both of them now are absolute fucking savages, you know what I mean, really good grapplers, um, and strong, and can dominate top position, um, so they see the merit in it, you know, a lot of them um, that come to my gym are like, very... I'm not say pushy, but like they push the benefits of jujitsu for their colleagues. You know what I mean? Just mm -hmm. because how, how often when they're trying to apprehend somebody, they're at that range, they're at that grappling range. So it, you know, um, and I can't remember who said it in America, but it was like the, you should be a blue belt minimum to be a cop or something like that. Or and maybe I don't think that because that's quite a commitment before you ever join the cops. But I think that there needs to be a piece of the police syllabus that is grappling and on a persistent yep. basis yep. you know what i mean um Fully uh, agree. You, you've seen the same video should be, yeah it should be routinely uh not necessarily assessed but practiced as a common thing 
How many how many videos have you seen a, a, a cops like trying to arrest somebody and then they just get rolled onto the back, punched in the face, and then the, then the, the perp runs away? So, um, and like I say, you just not only that they'll become better at the job because the confidence they've got in that bodily control that you know, and they're probably going to defuse things as daft as it sounds. They're trying to handcuff somebody, and then uh, you'll know the, the same feeling. I I always talk about it as the as the feel, right? You know, when you first start a roll. And you get that mm-hmm. first couple of seconds of grit, and, and your brain makes that quick assessment. All oh, right, okay, is about this good. You know, if like if a cop's well trained and it, and they're going to be arresting people, and then very quickly, oh oh shit, this guy's like you know he's articulating my arm behind my back. Okay, I'm I'm yeah. out my depth here, as opposed to all oh, right, I, yeah, I can move my arm very freely. He's not he's not really restraining me. Fuck it, I'm gonna have a, I'm gonna have a pop and try and fight him. So I think that there's a let's say, a psychological element to being a good grappler in, in on the street anyway. Um, so, yeah, man, it needs to be a trained, a trained thing. And, and I'm trying to do as much as I can for military units and for police as much as I can because I see the value in, in how it will impact their job. Um, and, yeah, I, and like I said, I'm very happy about it. Mate. It's happening more and more anyway. So, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to push what I do. Um, I'm trying to think more about how I what I teach from a combative, like let's say, perspective. So more street, less sport jiu-jitsu. I'm trying to like build up my um, the application of what I do, but for street purposes. So um, that'll be something I'd like to do more in the future. Is just supporting police and military units, just in that uh, practical application. Awesome, mate. I couldn't have put it better myself. Well, thank you very much, mate. We're going to run out of time, so we'll have to get you on in the future, um, have a little chat about how Gripper's doing, how you're doing, how everything's going. But, um, yeah, mega appreciate you taking the time, Lloyd. Um, everyone, have a look at Gripper uh, Jiu-Jitsu and the Yorkshire Grippler on Instagram. Um, I'll make sure your links are tagged in the description anyway. But thanks for coming on, mate. Cheers for taking no, the time. Thank you, mate. Top shagger. Have a good day. Have a, have a good sleep, I suppose. Your bedtime now. I will, mate. Yeah, exactly. You have a good day, mate. Thank you very much. See you soon, bro. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of the GTC podcast. Remember, do something that makes you just a little bit better every single day. Don't forget to head over to our Instagram at GTC podcast. Thanks again. Stay wavy.